Welcome, Kristen Henson, to Brokers and Brews. I'm, of course, Joe Muck, and my brew tonight is a little Sam Adams cherry wheat, and there's a reason for Sam Adams. What'd you bring to the table, and then let's talk about our why we why I wanted you on the on the show. Awesome. You want me to show you what I'm drinking? Absolutely. So I used to be a Miller Lite person. Okay. I know that's gross, but then I uh, eased into summer shandies, and now I'm on stouts. So tonight, Ooh. I am drinking a peanut butter chocolate milk stout by Lost Coast. Nice. Well, cheers yeah. to you. Cheers. I um, here's my actual. No, but nice. uh, it's delicious. I but now I'm on like the peanut butter chocolate or the breakfast coffee stouts. I wish I liked stouts because I like the little sip, you know, that um, you get like in a sampler where I'm like, oh, that is good. Peanut butter and coffee and all these flavors. But once I get the glass, it's just just not my cup of tea. As you can tell from my sweet cherry wheat, I almost brought a summer shandy. So so I intentionally went with Sam Adams because they kind of did a charitable thing where they bought back all their beer for the bars that couldn't, you know, stay open and obviously serve during COVID-19. Oh, yeah. And then they donated a couple million dollars to like some sort of restaurant fund. So it's very charitable on their behalf. And they're able to actually repurpose some of the um, the beer and the hops and the alcohol for some sort of, you know, grain, you know, fuel or something. I don't know. But so it's not like it's a complete loss for them, but still something they didn't have to do. And yeah. of course... You've been doing something you don't have to do with your program that I don't know if we can call it a charity because I don't think you're like a registered charity, but you've been feeding nurses and first responders and medical staff across, you know, this area of Michigan for the last couple of months. Tell us about that. How'd you get started? Why? How's that going? You know, and all that fun stuff. All right. Um, Well, when this whole COVID stuff started um, and they started gradually kind of our ability to go out and do business as we normally do it. Um, We, my girlfriend, Amy and I, who is a South Lion mom as well. um, We, reached out to one of our friends who was an ER physician at U of M. I'm sorry. No, she's not. She's at St. Joe. And my girlfriend, Amy asked her, you know, how can we help you guys? And she said, you know, we'll never turn down a meal. This was, this is probably when they had, we Michigan maybe had like around, I don't know, under 200 cases or something like that of COVID. Sure. And, um, I'm a little bit impulsive. And so I thought, you know, South Lion is such a great community. And I wonder if I could get, you know, kind of create like a charity, but like you said, we're not a a true 503C or anything like that. And so trying to get people to kind of reach in their pockets to give money and trust that, you know, we're just going to take the money and do the right thing and not really be officially a um, a charity, I thought, you know, let's just set this for like $500. We'll try to see what we can get and, um, try to feed some of these people that seem to have 
you know, at this point they were still working a lot of hours and this escalated extremely quickly, as we all know, as far as how the cases and the numbers shot up. And so a lot of people were working well over 12 hour shifts, um, with inability to break or even, and especially even just purchase food. Um, the overnight staff, you know, they, they don't have like Grubhub and get, get into the hospitals or um, places that are serving um, respiratory departments, all sorts of stuff. And so we thought, let's just see what South Lion can do. And I set it for 500. I actually went out. I created a logo um, to make us look more official and trustworthy. And um, I thought, you know what, let's just go for this and let's, let's set this for a thousand dollars. Cause I think South Lion will show up. Sure. As we kind of started inter or um, kind of inviting just our network of friends on Facebook, um, we hit the thousand dollars within hours. It was amazing. And I think it just stumped us to think we always knew, I believe that people are good by nature and it just really, really pleasantly surprised us. So we then set our goal for like 1500 and, um, the next morning, I think I had set it for 2000 that night before we went to bed and the next morning we're at 2300, but Facebook actually turned off our, our ability to take donations because we had exceeded it, which I had no idea that that would happen. Um, yeah. And so there's been, you know, a lot of learning during and, um, so the long of the short is we started our journey and we delivered food first and foremost to our girlfriend, um, at St. Joe's for the overnight staff and, um, they loved it. And we just kind of have kept growing and really in a short period of time, I want to say it was like five days or maybe even four, we were at $10,000. Yeah. Um, it so, definitely went quick. I mean, yeah, I, so it's feed our heroes and it's Facebook page if you will and and you know I saw it and maybe I was invited I don't know but I saw it early and like you say it was kind of like one of those things where you're like okay sure I'll give like ten dollars and then a couple of minutes later you're like oh what a jerk I must be because we're already at you know hundreds of dollars and then like like you said hours or you know less than days and you're at thousands of dollars which was awesome and so Obviously, the the concept made perfect sense, but like, I have to imagine coordinating um, where to go, how to get the food, um, that amount of food, keeping it hot, all those fun things, the things that probably restaurants have to figure out on a daily basis. I mean, like, so we kind of skipped the fact that you're a real estate agent by trade for Remax, and you know, the, we're both in South Lyon, your office is in Novi, and suddenly you're responsible for delivering food. I mean, I saw you in St. Clair Shores and uh, Chelsea and Ann Arbor and Novi, and I don't even know where else, you know, but you were all over the place, out like Pontiac, right? For um, Went to Pontiac. We've been St. Clair Shores, Detroit, Downriver, um, Chelsea, Ann Arbor, um, Livonia. I mean, our, we've been out in Howell. Um, 
our goal really, when we decided to commit to this was that we were going to try to touch every main hospital, um, that we could within the Metro Detroit kind of footprint. And so what we did was we tried to go and print off all the hospitals in, um, like Southeastern Michigan, just so that we kind of had a check. And, um, that really kind of helped, you know, helped us for places like over in St. Clair Shores or in Macomb County, you know, like we know a lot of the big ones, but, um, there's been some, you know, small, I don't want to call them mom pop, but there's some smaller facilities that definitely help too. And so we tried to do that. We've had people who have reached out to us that maybe have spouses or, um, siblings or just people that they care about that are on the front lines who gave us kind of a referral into certain departments. So we may have been to like the same hospital, but fed multiple departments. And, um, we just tried, we, we really were all over it. It was, it was very, very fun. It was, it was fun, kind of bittersweet meeting all of these frontline workers. Um, luckily we were kind of the, the happy face because food makes most of us happy. Right. And, um, we were kind of that moment in time a lot where they could take a break and have a, have a cooked meal, not a vending meal. And a lot of, and a lot of the cafeterias were not on like full time in, in many of these hospitals because right. they, they did, you know, cut staff and obviously because of just safety and. Right. So. Well, I mean, some of the hospitals like uh, Henry Ford, West Bloomfield, I mean, uh-huh. you know, they had brought in like legit chefs, you know, for their cafeteria. Yeah. And I've known of people who will stop in for lunch. Like they're not going to the hospital. They just go for lunch because the food is like legit. And, um, and a lot of people took, you know, a lot of other hospitals kind of try to take from that idea. And, um, and like you said, they had to start kind of shutting that down more, just like the rest of our restaurant industry where they, they wanted to try and prevent people from congregating and then even the cafeterias that have stayed open, I know they've removed tables and they've done all kinds of stuff so that even the staff aren't sitting amongst themselves. And yeah. I suppose we could, you know, talk about or debate whether or not all those things make sense and they're good or they're bad or whatever that that's not for us to really decide. It's just what happened. And so for sure, you know, food suddenly kind of became like a thing, you know, and, and I think it is always, I mean, I know back when, I was doing mortgages. Um, they would always say, "Well, pop into a real estate office and bring food." Realtors love food, and I think that everybody loves food, so it's always like a way to somebody's heart. So, you know, obviously, an amazing thing. And but you did like fire departments and stuff too, right? We did. We've we've hit um, fire departments, police um, departments. We have hit assisted livings. Um, just you know, trying to think a little bit also outside of the box to just the normal um, emergency room, which is the emergency room and the ICU and the COVID units are are probably the number one uh, food driven or, you know, they're, they're the main recipients of people bringing in food because they're the obvious ones that we think of. Sure. 
So we tried to, in the very beginning, um, I learned very quickly to ask for the charge nurse station because that was the direct connection to, you know, ICU and the people that are actually at the front line and able to talk with me and schedule a food drop where as time, um, as time kind of went on, people started, uh, designating coordinators for hospitals. So it became a little bit more difficult to get in. Um, not that they are turning down food, but they wanted to coordinate it. They wanted to make sure understandably that the food was not just being cooked at Kristen Henson's house. Trust sure. me, my family, but, um, you know, that it's, that they're under the, the guidelines that the restaurants have to be at. And, um, Amy and I committed to not that it's a bad thing and I'm certainly not, um, putting it down, but I think, I guess I just look at like our family, how much we have pizza at least once a week. And we committed to try to find restaurant partners mm -hmm. so that we were not only just helping these frontline staff, but we were helping potentially restaurant, small business restaurants that were going to be struggling, you know, to try to, to make revenues during all of this when they couldn't, you know, open up their restaurants and have patrons come in. And, um, we ended up having about nine different restaurant partners throughout our journey that, um, I think I know that they really appreciated, you know, kind of our loyalty to them and, and we loved, uh, giving back to them. We have found some of the most amazing restaurant owners that were so giving. And sometimes they would fight us on paying them, you know, just because they had such big hearts and wanted to donate, you know, 200 meals or, or whatever, a portion of, a portion of the sales. And, um, it's just, it, this whole process has been extremely gratifying. And so, so what are you at now? Cause it's way up there. Yeah, we um, we have fed well over three thousand. You know, brought th over three um, to people, and we're at just shy of thirty thousand dollars. So, um, it, it it's extremely humbling, and th this the the outreach was so much further than not. I mean, obviously, South Lion, but so much further than just Metro Detroit, we are getting donations from all over the country that people probably like their families would hear about us or people that would kind of keep a pulse on us. Um, you know, like the Metro Detroit market because they used to live here, they're from here sure. and you know, from California to Florida to Wisconsin. I mean, and, and we would, in the very beginning, we would kind of look at like who was donating, like how are we connected? Because most of the time we had a connection between Amy or myself, you know, with your Facebook friends and it's a friend of a friend. And it just, it's gotten to the point where we don't, we don't know anybody or a lot of people that are donating. And it's just, just for the, the good of the cause. And, um, but it's, it's definitely slowed down. Um, we are probably closer to the tail end of our deliveries. We, we do get donations now, but it's much, at, you know, much slower pace, um, which is probably not a bad thing because I, as I have been into the busy season, it seems like for about a week now with, uh, work, 
trying to juggle both of them and do deliveries every day and work on top of it um, long-term will be kind of difficult. So, sure. And that was something we talked about when I reached out to ask if you would do this. You know, I said like, so anybody who's watched any one of these has heard me say like, you know, that basically we got shut down, you know, March 23rd officially. I mean, we may have been less active before that due to some other uh, things going on in the state, but officially we could not work unless we were in front of a computer like this starting March 23rd. And it didn't open back up till May 7th. So that was a long period of time. And it doesn't really matter if you were an agent who does $200 million, you know, with your team or you do $200,000 by yourself you were going to be a little bit slower because there was just less things you could do. I mean, when you can't go to visit homes or you can't knock on someone's door, you can't do an open house, you're just less busy. Um, And so I don't want to say you had the time, but clearly you had a different amount of time than you could dedicate now. But like during that time, what was your real estate side like? Because I mean, you've been in the industry a little while, you have a good business, you have a partner. I mean, you do a lot of transactions and a lot around here um were you getting a lot of calls about how to buy and sell real estate were you getting calls people freaking out like what what did that side of the business things look like for you um for me i still really designated keeping a pulse on my real estate business my clients um i would say it definitely slowed down um I mean, quite a bit slowed down. And, um, oh, did you lose me? Did I lose you? And, um, but I think, you know, everyone is looking to you when they're trying to get ready to either sell a house or buy a house in this situation and asking you what your take is and looking for some sort of comfort that it's you know, that it's going to be okay, that people who have, you know, that are moving into different cities or moving out of state or, you know, coming here or, you know, whatever their situation is. And obviously none of us have a crystal ball. Mm -hmm. Um, I, and I mean, I'm just one person and I kind of just kept the faith. I know that um, this is very real for a lot of people financially where there's a struggle, people have been furloughed, let go, laid off. Um, it's definitely affected, you know, at least this time that we have been um, in isolation. And I know that it has to have some more effects of people, you know, whose industries aren't going to be able to pick up like yours or mine. And um, I mean, I had four houses that I was under contract. One of them was just a few days from closing, you know, in April that we ended up not being able to go through with because of it, because of people being furloughed or let go, um, you know, things like that. Right. However, I, I have had a consistent amount of buyers and sellers kind of along the way. And I feel like, you know, kind of looking back from that point, just up into the last week where we were kind of like let loose where we could go show houses and, and be back in the field. Um, I feel like they, they kind of just were chomping at that bit for that little release. And I mean, I had several buyers consistently asking me, you know, can we go in and what if it's okay with the seller and, you know, just not being, not being able to do that 
um, but explaining to them, you know, that it's going to be kind of like fair, it's going to be a fair playing field because we're all going to be released at the, the same time. Right. Um, and I think if this last week is any indication of what our market will be like as far as the housing market, I'm more pleasantly kind of surprised how busy it's been in the last week um, to the tune of easily working 12 hours a day, Mm -hmm. um, showing houses. I've put four offers in this week and we got two and every single one of them is a multiple offer. Um, I have, you know, probably, I think six. What were those? What was the price range? Like for the four low to high, I don't need specific Um, things you want to. 180, the high is probably around five. Yeah, and multiple offers on a five or around five. Yeah, it's, I mean, the, the I think it, people are still wanting to move. And I know that it has affected a lot of people. And I, you know, certainly feel bad about that. And, um, and hopefully their industries and, and, and their, whatever they do, they can get back to sooner than later, because obviously our economy is struggling a little bit, but I think, um, for people, many, many people still are in gear to purchase or sell their home. And I mean, I feel like I'm in a normal, busy springtime and I kind of have to remind myself that it's, it's not normal. And a lot of people, a lot of my friends are still not back to work and it's very far from a normal situation yet. Sure. Well, and I think, um, it's been somewhat difficult dealing with that because as an agent, you want to have a lot of positivity because you've got four multiple offer scenarios going on. That's great as an agent. You know, it's, it's bad for the buyers who are losing out. It's great for the sellers who are selling. But ultimately, you know, but then at the same time, you almost feel bad putting a smile on your face when you know that somebody else is so far from a smile coming, you know, especially about work, right? It's like, work's great. And then it's not great. And I, I don't know... I don't remember who gave me the number. So it was like, I don't know if it was like a big legit news site or if it was like a small local, but you know, I mean, today supposedly 23% in Michigan unemployment. And I think some of that number might be a little off because um, as we know, you know, real estate agents who traditionally could never file for unemployment, we were able to, and I don't know what the rule is now because we're allowed to work, but I mean, just like anybody else, not everybody's back to work for various reasons. So I don't know how that's working, but just our industry, there were potentially 33,000 people that filed unemployment that might not be filing this week. So, I mean, these numbers are possibly skewed, but they're also real. They're, like you said, there are people that haven't gone back to work and people that are struggling, but there's definitely a lot of people that are trying to buy and sell. I mean, I took some people into a house, it was on the market for one day. And by the time between that day and the next day's showing request, they had 40. I know it's crazy. And the upside was everyone was following the rules of not being in the house together. So as you know, normally in that scenario, 
you're in there with your client. I show up. I just come in because like, we're not going to wait. Like everyone's, it's like a virtual, it's a, it's an old uh, word, virtual open house. Now we have them, but it was like a virtual open house because the seller or the agent wasn't there, but all of us were there with all our showings. Now we're waiting and we wait for you to come out and even lock the door and stuff. And, um, and then we come in with our stuff on, you know, our masks and everything. And then we do ours and then, you know, rotate. But, um, it's definitely been, like you say, kind of like a pleasant surprise. I'm, I'm not shocked by it, but I am surprised. I'm, I'm surprised by the amount of people that have reached out about buying versus selling. Um, I normally am probably about a 60 to 65% of my business is probably on the listing side. And um, while I do have a couple listings, you know, coming up and, and active, I also have three times that amount of buyers that are like every day, should we go see this house or should we go out this weekend or what time can we go? Um, and those people, you know, they weren't there even March 15th, let alone, you know, April. So they kind of come out and I think some, you know, I, I the main call I got was, is our, is the market going to crash? Is my house going to devalue? Um, and if so, from some people, they'd say, well, let me know because, you know, I've been looking to upsize and I can take advantage. And the best I could say was, I don't think so. And, you know, I mean, I had data for it and what have you, but here we are. And it sure isn't that way, is it? I mean, you've got multiple offers on half a million dollars. I'm seeing them, you know, in the ones and twos, you know, taking people out and stuff like that. It's been a pretty hot market once we've kind of been back to it, like I said, it's not quite normal, but it's semi-normal. Yeah. And I think the interest rates being low and really from what I understand, anticipate even potentially going lower um, and giving our buyers even more buying power. Hopefully that, you know, in turn, I know I'm guessing that a lot of that is to do with um, stimulating the market and, um, but it's, I mean, they're, they're crazy low again. And, you know, these, these buyers are also able to get a lot more house for their money. Absolutely. I mean, when an interest rate is somewhere in that 3% range, give or take, um, I mean, even on the amortization schedule, which is normally really scary to look at on a 30 year, you go like, Oh my God, I'm going to pay, you know, $600,000 for this $200,000 house. Not now, you know, it's like, it's like 40 grand over, you know, 30 years. I mean, it's like crazy because I always say to people who are waiting for a lower rate and I would say, well, we don't know that it's going lower. It can't go to the bottom. Like it can't go to zero. So it's not, it might not be worth waiting for another quarter of a percent. Talk to the loan person and it'll tell you what a difference another quarter or even half of a percent would actually make. And on some numbers, it's not a big deal. But the other part is like, if you had $200,000, would you consider loaning it to somebody for 30 years at 3% interest? Because I know I own it. So I mean, take advantage because you know, the banks and the government want to do as much as they can to raise those rates. They don't want to keep them low. They want to be able to raise them, but they can't right now because they have to keep people buying and invested in the real estate market. Correct. So we're both in South Lyon 
And actually, I mean, we're not across the street because, but we're, no. what's that? I said, and I like doing business with you. That's true. And I like doing business with you. And that's how we met each other was on a, on a similar closing. And then we've shown each other's properties a few times, but we're in like neighboring um, communities where the, the, the two subdivisions are across from each other. Price points are about the same. I mean, just within your own community, um, do you find a lot of people kind of reaching out about anything as far as just thinking about listing, thinking about buying anything like that, you know, whether it's a second home or getting rid of this one or whatever? Um, I definitely have had people reaching out to me just even this week, looking for the typical foreclosures, the people that are kind of hearing the economic situation and, you know, they're trying to think back and be more ahead of the game of what like 2009, 10, 11, all that stuff brought. And, you know, hopefully we don't get to that position because it, I, I don't think it's really good for 98 plus percent of people. Right. But in South Lyon, um, my neighborhood we downsized. And so my neighborhood is a lot of ranches and a lot of um, older people that have been here for a long time. They're not really planning on going anywhere soon. Um, but my last neighborhood, which is right across from your old neighborhood, I think, um, I definitely do a fair amount of um, work in there. And I'm meeting with people already um, in that neighborhood and surrounding neighborhood, you know, like we're all in and, right. um, but yeah, they're, they're definitely, um, reaching out for sure. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I mean, kind of talking about, you know, some of these conversations, I mean, I did have, I had a person who had to take a smaller pre-approval from when they first were pre-approved because they had to take a pay cut for work. Fortunately, they kept their job, but they had to take a pay cut. But I've also had two people reach out and say, actually, I can buy for more than I was thinking about buying. Right. And one of them was a purchase, like their personal preference, right? Like they were, they, they were pre-approved for way more than they were thinking about. And they decided to, you know, go up a little bit just to find what they're looking for. And they'll have that probably signed tomorrow for that purchase. But it, it's definitely been interesting. Um, to say the least, you know, just kind of just the dynamics of the the calls, the doing these types of meetings with people, you know, um, it's kind of strange, uh, at least maybe an introduction meeting now that we can actually go see each other. Um, outside of the fact that you were delivering hundreds of meals a day and being a real estate agent. Did you get to do anything that like the rest of us did? Did you catch up on some Netflix shows or Amazon? <laughs> I did. I actually gained weight. Um, that was fun getting there. It's not so fun now. <laughs> we have done, we have, if I showed you my living room right now, it's like half of our bedroom is sitting in there because we redid the floor and closets. And um, so we actually have, been able to do a lot of projects that have been kind of on our to-do list. So in one, on one sense, that was good. And then, um, you know, I have three daughters, two of them, you know, they're grown and 
they don't live at home anymore. So that's been a little bit of a struggle not being able to, I mean, we do kind of social distancing visits mm-hmm. um, where we, you know, sit, sit in, I don't know, like a, a driveway or whatnot, yeah. or that with my, she'll be 23 this Saturday. And we go up and have quote unquote lunch where she sits in her car and she works at Beaumont Royal Oak. So, um, you know, not wanting to get the bugs from yeah. there. Um, we kind of reverse our car. So each of our driver's seat is sitting there. We sit there and chit chat and eat meals, carry out or whatnot. And we've, my 14 year old and I have really tried to do a movie a day um, on Netflix and have watched some, some good shows. And so it's as much as um, I really want everything to get back to normal. I think just even like missing hugging my daughters and things like that, just the simple things that we take for granted. I, I hope that we um, as human beings do not forget all the stuff that we realized was so important and took for granted on almost a daily basis now that we can't do it. And, um, I, I do think that there, I know that we've lost people and it's, it's tragic. Um, and I hope, especially in spite of all that, we will remember how to stay in touch with the people that we care about and check in. And it's, you know, if I'm being honest, it's been a little bit of a mental struggle, a little bit, um, here and there, just trying to keep my head right. I have a grandmother who's 96 years old who lived alone. Um, and the biggest challenge with her is trying to keep her head right because she still drives, believe it or not. And we have been literally when I, I, I actually talked to Mojo in the morning about this, but fist to cuffs, fighting, screaming, crying over the phone because she won't stay at home. Yeah. She keeps herself to Aldi or writing or the dollar store. And she thinks, you know, because she has been through like polio and some of these crazy, crazy things, you know, in a life of 96 years that, you know, she's going to be fine. And maybe she's right. I hope she's right. But I, you know, I worry about stuff like that. We've had similar, my, um, my mother-in-law is remarried. So when I say father-in-law, that's who I'm referring to right, right here. And he is, um, he's not a germaphobe, but he is like, he's not like Howie Mandel, but he also is the type of person that he goes on an airplane and he just says immediately when he gets off how he's sick and it's because of the recirculated air and all this other stuff. He's just always this way. Right. But he's not like afraid to like shake your hand or something. But anyways, so he was like, not really freaked out, but kind of was, you know, a little concerned. So he wanted to get hand sanitizer because he didn't have enough in his condo and so he went to like 50 stores looking for it's like if you would stay at home you wouldn't need the hand sanitizer so (laughs) so we have an idea of the frustration that you speak of and they're actually in a condo down in florida so again like a very different view of how things should be um and whether whether things should be opened or closed and you know and um, 
and so it's an interesting, you know, conversation, but that one was just particularly funny because he's like, well, I got to have hand sanitizer. And he was going everywhere in a car, on a bike, walking, whatever. So pretty funny oh. stuff there. She um, has to get her blood draw. She, she did go without like a blood draw for like a month, but she's on a blood thinner. So they have to check her blood typically once a week. And so amongst all of this fighting, I mean, in this fighting went on for a good three or four weeks and now she's kind of settled a little bit. I could tell you stories that we could make a whole show over her. (laughs) So I've, you know, we bring her meals. My, all of our family drops off um, groceries and what she can't want for anything as far as like needing what she needs is human interaction. And So she has hand sanitizer for her car and she continually tells me, I wash my hands all the time. I use that sanitizer all the time inside the house. I'm like, it's not for you. I'm like, you're the only one in there. Sanitizer for inside the house. So we have this long talk. She goes to her blood draw and I'm like, of all places, you're going to this IHA, you know, (laughs) place where people go for blood draws where they're sick or whatever. And she's like, you would be so proud of me. She's like, I sanitized my cane. I sprayed my car down. I wiped my purse. I washed my hands. And then I went in. I'm like, (laughs) so did you wash your hands when you came out? She's like, Kristen, I wash my hands all the time. I think she thinks it's like bug spray, you know, like (laughs) protected. And I don't even have any more fight in me. Yeah. Well, there is that, right? I mean, she's done 96 years. And so, you know, she probably has definitely seen some things that hopefully we'll never even know about seeing. Um, But yeah, I've, you know, I haven't, I've been fortunate to not have those fights. But, you know, the unfortunate part, like you say, of seeing people where, you know, my dad is uh, by himself and, you know, lives just over in like the Wayne Westland area. Mm-hmm. And so I'll have him check in with me if he needs some groceries and he's got a neighbor who picks up some stuff for him and he has some other services. But, you know, it's just um, like my son's birthday is next week and we don't ever really do big parties. We either do something really small or we go somewhere like go to Great Wolf Lodge or go to Cedar Point or something mm-hmm. like that. And, um, but you know, he's not even gonna be able to really come over for dinner. And part of that is because, you know, my wife works at the hospital this week. She was literally testing drive up COVID-19 drive up tests. So who knows, right? Like she, she might, she might have something. She might not, I don't know. And so we're not going to put my dad subject to that at his age, plus some health, plus just why would you do that? So it's definitely different, but I do think that Maybe, I don't know, maybe people will get used to something else. But I think a lot of us realized, you know, how often we sat in a group with each other and we sat kind of like this. Yeah. And and so it's kind of like we weren't social, right? And And we didn't think it was a big deal. But now we've realized that whether you wanted it, you don't want it, whether you believe in it, you don't believe in it, that's that was taken away at least for a while, you know. Some yeah. people obviously have changed their opinions and, and have decided to move on. But overall, 
it's just not the same. No matter what, we all can't get together at the local bar right now. We can't go bowling or play a sport together other than maybe golf or tennis or something like that. You know, and so I do think that a lot of people are revaluing like relationships and human contact and interaction. The fact that people will do a Zoom birthday meeting um, to me is kind of shows that like we we really miss you know each other we really want to see each other more and again and so hopefully that's sometime you know around the corner sooner rather than later but you know I think obviously the the hard part is like what's safe and what's not safe and your beliefs versus mine and all that type of stuff it makes it difficult but you know we'll get there at some point I'm sure just I don't know when (laughs) you know yeah and I think you know there's so many different people's comfort. Everyone kind of seems to have a different level of, of comfort as far as what they feel safe given, you know, as it is today, going to the grocery store, not going to the grocery store, wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, giving up and saying, you know what, I'm just going to roll the dice. If it gets me, it gets me. And people that are like, you know, completely on the opposite end of the spectrum. And I respect every one of them. I just, what bothers me is the unkindness that people are displaying one way or the other, whether, no matter what their beliefs are, it's just, you know, if people could just respect that there's a difference of respect or different of opinion, Mm -hmm. you know, do what you need to do as kind of a, a human, but understand it's kind of like when you had the old smoking sections, probably, you're probably way too young to even. Oh, I, and both parents were smokers. And so an old dad still is. And, uh, and so, uh, no, I'm fully you aware. Know, you know, like you're, you know, when you're out, you know, Kroger, I think has done a fantastic job just as a, for instance, you know, with, when you go in and they're everything, they're constantly wiping everything down. And I think they've done some, you know, great precautions as much as they can do. And then, but you go in and you see <laughs> the one person that just sticks inside of my mind and she's just coughing everywhere with no mask on. Yeah. And it's like, kind of like shake your head, but. <laughs> no, just I, I think about those people that we were grossed out by before there was a nasty virus out here that was taking lives like that person you always you know you'd be in a restaurant and someone's hacking in the booth next to you yeah and maybe they can't help it so I'm not trying to you know but but maybe they can or maybe they could have waited another day to come out because maybe they're getting over something and um and so those those folks always kind of like ruffled your feathers so to speak and then now now you see them and there's a strong belief as far as what coughing and sneezing could actually do to somebody and you see it and actually it's kind of funny when we first started to kind of wear the masks I said I'm I'm kind of glad because even when I'm in the store you know you're not talking to anyone and stuff anymore and so you have to kind of clear your throat and I just feel like people start looking when you go like right and so I'm like I'm glad I have the mask on now so that people don't look at me wondering like is he sick you know and and stuff like that um but I, I agree. I think Kroger, I mean, a lot of stores have done a lot of things, but Kroger, um, I had to go to the one in town, you know, within the first few weeks. And I mean, 
they had like signs even saying like the carts inside are wiped down, you know, and then you walked in and someone had already wiped them down and then he gave it one more wipe and kind of pushed it out to you. So you had to stay, you could stay away. And, and they've continued that at every Kroger location I've gone to, and I've been to at least yeah. three. So they really have done a great job. A lot of people are doing a great job. And I think, like you said, if, if people would just be a little bit more respectful of each other and not call each other dumb or whatever. <laughs> Many things that we probably shouldn't say in this, but well, yeah. We've, we've sworn before, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's just, um, we, well, you're not going to get anywhere either that way, right? I mean if we just fight, then we don't solve anything, you know? So hopefully, hopefully better days are upon us. That's all I can really say. Yeah. Um, so you, you kind of said this earlier. Um, I mean, are you going to just end sort of end the food delivery or if somebody wanted to take it over, would you do that? Or like how, you know? Yeah, they, I mean, if somebody wanted to take it over, absolutely. Um, it would just basically be the concept of it. And um, because right now the um, the funds go into our bank account and we disperse them, we keep a hundred percent of, you know, every ledger, every, every penny we spend and every penny we receive. And as long as someone wants to, to take that for sure, um, we donate 100% of every single penny that we get to these frontline workers. We do not pay for our gas. We don't pay for our, let's just call it PPE, our masks and sanitizer. We don't, I mean, we take nothing. And um, I, I do want to mention, um, just in case somebody's watching that has donated, that in truth, Amy and I, and we have two volunteers who have, have helped us for about the last four weeks deliver. Um, we could not have even sniffed doing what we have done without this Metro Detroit community and beyond, like I said, out of, out of state. And really the big thanks goes to all of these people who, who have donated and, um, and put their trust in us to basically be the face of all of them when we go and take care of these frontline workers. Absolutely. It, I guess, you know, cause we've said some, it's the good part of Facebook. It's the good part of social media, arguably what it's supposed to be, you know, because you could have never gotten in front of people out of state um, so quickly. Uh, you could have never gotten in front of this many people, even in state. Um, you know, it takes, three, four, five shares for suddenly thousands of people to see it and just yep. dozens or hundreds of people to donate. And when you start talking those numbers, I mean, if, if 100 people donate $10, you know, I mean, you've got meals for the week. So it's like, it doesn't yeah. have to be the big crazy donations. It could be anything. And especially when you're reaching the volume that you're reaching. So um, donations from, you know, we may deliver 10 meals to, you know, we just did locally here to a couple, um, like assisted livings. We did the police department here at, you know, as large as last night, we did 275 meals to Grace Sinai down in Detroit, which, you know, I'm looking at the news. It's, it's still really tough down there. It's way better, but it's tough. And anywhere in between, 
you know, we're looking, we still have a little bit of money left. It's not a lot. Um, so we will ultimately go as long as we continue to have donations. Sure. Well, obviously have done a great thing. Um, just, just really cool. I mean, you know, like, I think I told you, I was like thinking, oh, I should do something, but it was a thought and I never followed through on it. And you thought I should do something. And then you did it and you see how well it turned out for, you know, everybody that you guys have been able to help is really awesome. Um, like you said, the, the community amongst us that have donated and have made it possible, you and your uh, friends, you know, that have been partners in this to help coordinate everything and deliver everything has been awesome. And, mm -hmm. and I know, like, I think this is like the first time that we've ever, co you've ever co-mingled the fact that you're a real estate agent doing this because you, you just knew like you were doing this from the heart. It had nothing to do with anything else. And it was really an awesome thing. And so um, I was glad we could talk about it. I'm glad that you um, did it and, and, you know, are willing to kind of keep moving forward with it if, if there's some funds there. And obviously, you know, you've got friends that are helping out and stuff like that. It's just, just really cool thing. So besides being a great real estate agent, a great person, and I really appreciate you uh, uh, joining us, you know, for, for this and, and talking about it a little bit. Well, I appreciate you reaching out, Joe. It's been nice. And uh, I look forward to running into you out there in the field. Sounds good. Uh, going away. Cheers to you. And uh, have a great rest of your 2020. We'll talk soon. Talk to you later. Thank you.